Good afternoon, and welcome to the Live Poet Society, where we read aloud literature in real time and chat about it. I'm your unqualified host, Hattie Rensbury. For today's episode, I have an interview with Izzy Stringham of White River Books and a selection of her favorite poetry at the moment. But first, let's take a look at some of the releases on the New York Times March book release list that I think sound particularly interesting. Let's start with Flux by Jinwoo Chong, which was released today. It has a Goodreads score of 3.93, and the genre is very uh, ambiguously described as literary fiction, although it strikes me as more of a contemporary sci-fi, and you'll understand what I mean when I read you the seller description. Four days before Christmas, eight-year-old Bo loses his mother in a tragic accident. 28-year-old Brandon loses his job after a hostile takeover of his big media employer. And 48-year-old Blue, a key witness in a criminal trial against an infamous now-defunct tech startup, struggles to reconnect with his family. So begins Jin Wuchong's dazzling, time-bending debut that blends elements of neo-noir and speculative fiction as the lives of Bo, Brandon, and Blue begin to intersect, uncovering a vast network of secrets and an experimental technology that threatens to upend life itself. I don't know about you, but I think that one sounds pretty interesting. I think I say that every episode, but it's really hard to find one of these on this list that doesn't sound even just a little bit interesting for me. Um, And this one is just kind of a nice example of that intersection of lives that we find so often in real life um, in that very charming and sometimes really difficult to read portion of fiction. So it's a, it's a really good contender. The next one is Lone Women by Victor Laval. That one releases on March 28th, and so far it has a Goodreads score of 3.96. Its genre is considered to be historical fiction, inventive horror. And here's the seller description. Adelaide Henry carries an enormous steamer trunk with her wherever she goes. It's locked at all times, because when the trunk is opened, people around her start to disappear. The year is 1914, and Adelaide is in trouble. Her secret sin killed her parents and forced her to flee her hometown of Redondo, California, in a hellfire rush, ready to make her way to Montana as a homesteader. Dragging the trunk with her at every stop, she will be one of the lone women, taking advantage of the government's offer of free land for those who can cultivate it, except that Adelaide isn't alone. And the secret she's tried so desperately to lock away might be the only thing keeping her alive. I can't tell you any more about that book because I think it would ruin the entire story arc, but uh, that one is definitely going on my list because it's historical fiction, Western fiction, and a little bit horrific. The next one is War Diary by Yevgenia, pardon me, 
Belle Roussettes, translated by Greg Nissan. That was released on March 7th. And if you're wondering why I'm having such trouble with her name, it's because she's from Ukraine. So let's read the seller description before I give you any more information. The young artist and writer Yevgenia Belrusets was in her hometown of Kiev when Putin's special military operation against Ukraine began on the morning of February 24th, 2022. With the shelling of Kiev, Kharkiv, Odessa, and Kherson, the war with Russia had clearly irreversibly begun. Quote, I thought this had been allowed to happen. It is a crime against everything human, against a great common space where we live and hope for a future. Quote, unquote. With power and clarity, the war diary of Yevgenia Belrusets documents the long beginning of the devastation and its effects on the ordinary residents of Ukraine. What it feels like to interact with the strangers who suddenly become your countrymen, the struggle to make sense of a good mood on a spring day, the new danger of a routine coffee run. This one is categorized as a memoir or nonfiction and has a Goodreads score of 4.2. And I, it seems like it has earned it. This is a really quick turnaround on a very difficult situation to have a memoir, especially in, in the situation that this author has been living in. So if that's something that you're interested in, War Diary by Yevgenia Belusets may be something that can help you get a better look at what's been going on in Ukraine for the past year. Last book on our list that I'm going to touch on for today is Poverty by America by Matthew Desmond. That was released today as well. Matthew Desmond is a Pulitzer Prize winning author and a piece of this novel was also released by NPR this morning. So this release is kind of a big deal. Um, his past book was called Eviction and uh, he often writes about nonfiction, social justice, economics, politics, issues that um, are deeply affecting working class individuals. Um, so let's read the seller description. The United States, the richest country on earth, has more poverty than any other advanced democracy. Why? Why does this land of plenty allow one in every eight of its children to go without basic necessities, permit scores of its citizens to live and die on the streets, and authorize its corporations to pay poverty wages? In this landmark book, acclaimed sociologist Matthew Desmond draws on history, research, and original reporting to show how affluent Americans knowingly and unknowingly keep poor people poor. It sounds like this one is particularly interesting from an introspective note as a reader on better understanding how we interact with others around us and how our lifestyles and situations may not be as affected as we think by the situations that we might think. Um, several of the reviews for that book are very candid in talking about how it looks compared to his past not, uh, nonfiction review, Eviction, and apparently that one was more based around some interviews with people who were going through eviction and, and dealing with those sorts of situations. And this one is more of a, a look at an essayist style on understanding data and understanding social issues that can cause the amount of um, poverty that he is particularly focusing on for this. So if that sounds interesting to you, that's Poverty by America by Matthew Desmond. And now, today we are very lucky indeed. Firstly, because today is serendipitously World Poetry Day. 
To celebrate, I recommend that you snuggle into a chair with a cookie and read a poem or two. Or listen to some music and really savor the lyrics. It's really all poetry anyways. However you celebrate, thanks for joining us today to sink our teeth into the written word. Secondly, our guest today is the curator, owner, and operator of White River Books in downtown Carbondale, Izzy Stringham. Izzy has been in the Roaring Fork Valley for over two decades, and her approach to reading is very in line with the one on this podcast. She emphasizes inclusion in her choices of books and consistently invites readers of all backgrounds and interests to find something they'll love. And, unlike Amazon or Barnes & Noble, Izzy can give you nuanced recommendations. Like, a lot of recommendations. Not to mention, her selection includes gently used copies of new or popular books that can help keep costs from being a barrier to reading. First of all, thanks for coming in. I'm You're so welcome. Appreciative that you took the time. Um, I've been really excited to have you in for this because it's a show about literature, and you are like the local literature gal. <laughs> yeah, I kind of am. <laughs> so it, it felt like the right thing to do with this month being White River Books' one-year anniversary. Um, how's how's everything been going with the store and whatnot? It's so good. I mean. The community support has been phenomenal. I didn't anticipate it being this good, and the store is maintaining solid sales. And, I mean, people have found me. They're coming back. I've got so many return customers and people who order books. It's it's just great. I mean, to have this finally working in this community, I think, that really needed a bookshop and people have responded so positively and are supporting it because like I say to a lot of people, you know, they always ask, how is it going? And I say, you know, really, really well because of the community support. You can open a business, but you can't guarantee someone's going to come in. And the, the, the give and take of that has been phenomenal. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm so glad to hear that. Um, what has been something that you've seen people come back for time and time again? Well, it's funny because you think, you know, with a new bookshop selling new books, new releases, it's be like the new hot bestseller, but it's not always. It's more like a genre or a book they love and they want to share with their friends. And I get repeat business on titles you'd never expect would be sort of the top sale titles for a shop this size. And that was a big surprise. Um, Keeping older things in stock, people who have something they love. And it just kind of, I think it speaks to the... um, how literature really affects somebody and they respond to it over and over and they want to share that with everybody. And so that's been really cool. That's awesome. Yeah. I see you've got a stack of books in your hands and I did I ask you to bring some recommendations. <laughs> Please, if you are so inclined to go ahead and go ahead and bring those out. Okay, sure. So we were going to talk about poetry. So I went through my shelves and just pulled um, some, some poetry books that I like to recommend. I like to read myself. Um, not always kind of the typical thing you'll study in a college poetry class or a high school poetry class, but poetry that spoke to me and poetry that I sell a lot of. Great. Awesome. That's a great start. Yeah. This one here, Mary Oliver is probably one of the authors I sell the most of. People consistently love her work, love her um, her works. I mean, she's got so many, but all of them are so special to so many people. 
And I like to read her work consistently. People tell me, oh, my gosh, I love her. I love her. <laughs> so she's probably the best-selling poet in my shop. Um, she passed away a couple years ago. But for a modern woman poet, that's pretty phenomenal. It's not just, you know, old old white men <laughs> from 200 years ago. Shocker. Yeah, right? <laughs> Poetry continues to speak to the modern era and ad- evolve and adapt to that. And that's um, – that's one of the beautiful things about poetry specifically, I think. Cool. Yeah. Um, the one you have in your hand is is which title? Um, this is A Thousand Mornings. It's a pretty slim title. Um, she has several anthology collections as well, but this one is um, it's one of her later ones, I believe. I'm actually not sure about that, <laughs> but it's beautiful. <laughs> awesome. What else do we have? Um, I also brought two poets – Hala Alyan and Billy Ray Belcourt, who are, gosh, younger than me, and writing poetry that is so evocative and effective, it almost like makes your skin zing when you read it because their word choice and their imagery is phenomenal. Um, Billy Ray Belcourt is an indigenous writer, uh, a queer indigenous writer from Canada. And Hala Alyan is, um, she was born in the U.S., but she's from Lebanese and, um, uh, sorry, Palestinian descent. And they just speak their truth and their experience so vividly that I could sit down with one of their books and read it from like beginning to end. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty telling with poetry. I think some people may find it daunting to sit down and read a book of poetry um, because for some some poets, not all, but some poets choose not to have an overarching narrative. Yeah. And so I think a lot of people find that can be a little bit stressful to look at a book and go, oh, mm-hmm. what if it's not all the same story? And so these are great examples of titles that are not necessarily hard to get into and think. No, and that's the beauty of poetry, I think, is that it can feel really intimidating, but it's actually very accessible. You don't have to read it from start to finish if you don't want to. You can sit down and open anywhere, read a page, absorb what you're reading, have it affect you or not, and turn it or just sit with that. And in a busy life. I have several friends who tell me this, you know, they come in to my shop or just to chat with me and say, you know, gosh, I wish I had time to read a novel, but they don't. And they'll read poetry instead because they want like a little nugget for that day or a little something to carry with them. And so like these two um, authors I just mentioned, these books I brought kind of span a collection that has a theme and you can read them in order and it all makes sense but you can also just open at random read a poem and carry that with you for the day and that's one of my favorite things about poetry is how anyone no matter what their you know education or or you know ability level of understanding poetry you can still enjoy it it can still speak to you absolutely yeah that is my favorite part about poetry collections is that you can just flip it open with the little time that you have in your day and enjoy something. And then it doesn't have to be a long-term thing. You can put it away and get back to it tomorrow and you don't feel obligated to finish anything right now. Exactly. It's it's a, it's a low commitment, but I think like high um, effect. <laughs> you, you can get a lot with a little. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. All right. I see a cover in your hand that's got flowers on it. Yep. So this one, I wanted to kind of bring this and share it because this book, it's called And Yet, um, Poems by Kate Bear. She's a contemporary poet. I'm a mother. She writes a lot about motherhood and 
being a woman and all that that entails. But this book came out um, at the end of last year, and it hit the New York Times bestseller list, which for a book of poetry is pretty phenomenal. That's significant. <laughs> Very. To see that, I was like secretly like having a, like a big cheer moment because – to see poetry affect – I mean the New York Times bestseller list is based on sales. And so that many people went out and bought this book that week to push it past, I mean, really, really strong novels right up to the top 15 books in the country. And that was pretty great. I mean to see that come out of a poet who – she's written I think three or four titles before this, maybe three. Um, she's young and it just – I don't know. It was wonderful. So she's really resonating with a lot of people. Yeah. What is it about that book that seems to be resonating with people, do you think? For for you, at least, what resonated for you? For me, I mean, I am a mother. I am a woman. I can relate to a lot of what she writes about. And she does it with a, kind of a wink and a nod as well as like a real truth telling about how hard it is and how, you know, she she kind of embodies its experiences. So many people have and just connects with it's difficult it's hard it's beautiful it's like she she brings you down this like deeper emotional level and i think a ton of people resonate with this i mean if you look at her her social media feeds are so big and to have a poet touching daily lives like that something something's working and i I just love to see that you know people are embracing her yeah oh that's awesome yeah she's amazing she really is cool i see you have a uh title with joy harjo on it Mm -hmm. i want you to know we did have a native american poetry episode back in november oh that's fantastic i'm super excited that she's worked her way back here because i think she's really cool she is really cool she's such a unique voice and she was the poet laureate of the united states in 2009 19 99 her voice is so unique and so uh, what's the word like compassionate. I I look at her and I read her work and I just I want to reread it and reread it and reread it and absorb it because there's a lot of pain there. She writes a lot about the Native American experience and being forced off land, sent to boarding schools. Like there's some really tragic and traumatic events, but she never quite hits bottom with it and stays there. There's always something to uplift, and um, I think her work is beautiful. She should, everyone should read Joy Harjo. <laughs> and this book in particular is? This is called An American Sunrise. This one, um, I believe, is her most recent. She recently also put out a memoir that is, you know, her story of her life, which encompasses a lot of her poetry as well. Cool. Yeah. And she's a great example of, like, poets who are contemporary and also touching on historical subjects and also talking about his, the historical and contemporary experience of the people that they relate to the most. Um, and she's also one of those poets that has a lot of different artistic facets. She's a musician. She is an activist. So it's really interesting to, to read her stuff and know that. I love that about her, that music plays such a role in her life and her poetry. And it's almost like you can hear it. You can experience that with her. And you're right. It, the, all the different facets just add to like the more rich experience. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm so glad that she made her, made her way back in. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> and this last book, um, this is called How to Love the World, Poems of Gratitude and Hope. Um, it's edited by James Cruz, and the foreword was written by Ross Gay, who's a, um, a pretty popular contemporary poet. 
And this book I brought by because I sell it all the time. And I think that there's this real need. People come in. It's got a beautiful cover with, you know, birds and, and flowers and this cool drawing. Um, but people come in looking for something to uplift right now. Having come through years of the pandemic and just people are tired. They don't want to read and necessarily absorb heavy. And so this book has really touched a lot of people. I have to keep it in stock in like three and four, which is, you know, from the size of my shop, that's a lot for a poetry book. You know, bestseller novels, I'll keep in that kind of stock too. And so this is really exciting. And it's a book that is an anthology. So there's all, you know, all different writers. And then every couple poems, they pause and the editor kind of gives a little class on what you just read and how to interpret it maybe and how to then apply it to your day or life, um, a little moment of, of gratefulness or gratitude or just, you know, this little line here is this author expressing joy. And and I, I have so many people who open it at random and go, this is lovely and I love this part and I need to buy this. <laughs> So I, I love that, that it's it's affecting people in a positive manner and bringing a little gratitude and joy into just a daily life. It's a small little practice you can do. Right. Yeah. There's something to be said for the fact that when, when people are experiencing a lot of the same emotion and, and the same need, things like, like joy and affection for each other and that need to feel uplifted will kind of sell themselves. Like... I mean, you said it yourself, people will pick it up and flip through it and just go, you know what, this is the one that I need today. And that's something special about how literature affects our lives. And it's so easy to find that with poetry, especially with anthologies. I found personally that like, you know, if anthologies of literature are like Colorado weather. If you don't like the first one, wait 10 minutes and it'll change or flip to the next page and it'll change. And that's fine. You get a lot of different voices and a lot of pages. It's a very um, effective way to enjoy that sort of art form. Absolutely. And I think um, an anthology, you're exactly right. Like maybe this one isn't your favorite or it doesn't really resonate, but this one over here makes you cry. And that's the beauty too of each poet bringing their own person and their own experience and their own perspective to the work. And I love that when it's well edited and well collected together, you can sit with that and find something for every mood, every moment, every day. Um, it's endless, really, how a work of poetry can affect and speak to a person. It's, I think that's the real power that you find in poetry. Absolutely. What have you been reading recently in regards to poetry? Is it one of these or is it something else? Um, in regards to poetry, I kind of pick things up as I go. Mary Oliver, I read consistently because she's such a nature writer and has such an appreciation for the natural world. And for me, getting through the winter is really kind of bleak and dark. And so I love to read her work springtime and things like that. Like, you know, it just makes it a little easier. But I honestly, to prepare for this, I was reading through some of these books and just re rereading some and enjoying them. And that's that's kind of how I approach poetry. I, I look at a title and I go, I don't know this one for today and pick it up. And I love to find new uh, poets. I'm always researching for my buying, you know, for the whole shop, who's writing new things or who's an older writer that's put out something brand new and what should I pick up? Um, so, I mean, all of these books, I will open in a slow moment and read a poem or two and, and we go like, yeah, I forgot how much I love this. Yeah. Okay. So earlier you were talking about how poetry doesn't have to be inaccessible to people. It can be super accessible. What is a way that you find people can 
get into poetry more and have it be more accessible that they might not be aware of. I think sometimes it can help to choose a topic. Is there a type of thing you want to read about? Um, Maybe you don't want to read about the experience of a, a queer indigenous man's love life, and that just doesn't interest you, so move on to something else. Maybe you want to read about the environment. Maybe you want something more classic, like, you know, you can pick up Percy Bysshe Shelley and Wordsworth that we all studied back in college. And um, sometimes topic, I think, can break open what might be unaccessible or intimidating because it's something you're interested in. And so if you can find someone or like you want to read women's poetry, you know, find a woman writer and that way you have a piece kind of already in the game and are a little more maybe receptive to what the poet is writing about. I mean, even some of the older, older things that were written in Middle English or Shakespeare wrote in Iambic Pentameter, that kind of thing can be really intimidating or it can be really fun to kind of, you know, puzzle it out a bit and and have to work hard at absorbing it. Or you just want something that you can, you don't have to think that hard and you can just enjoy the the, the words washing over you and the feeling they give you, the emotional response instead of the more academic response. Right. Yeah. Well, and the cool part about contemporary poetry is that it's not necessarily going to be a vocabulary lesson. I mean, we talked on our last episode about um, a particular poet who is known for her style of just being really down to earth and really accessible for people Mm -hmm. um, vocabulary wise. And I think that's something that really strikes a chord with people on contemporary poetry is that you don't have to sit there with your dictionary app open and scroll through and, and struggle if you want to please feel free because it's very absolutely cool to learn new things but it can also be something that you just like you said just washes over you mm-hmm. and gets to be an experience which is really the important part about experiencing art and i think too it make it a daily thing you know it can be something very simple as you know you write in a journal for two ten minutes a day or something keep a book of poetry by your bed and read something before you go to sleep and if you kind of ingrain it into your day it becomes something expected and, and sort of predictable. And I think, too, that you open to the language and to the, the rhythm. And it's not like reading a, a you know a novel um, or a nonfiction book. And it kind of slows you down a bit. And so adding it into a daily um, – like a daily practice. I, mean, I don't know. It's not really like yoga or something like that. But um, the more you do it, the more you get out of it with any art form. Awesome. Awesome. Is there anything else that you want to talk about before we finish up? Um, Not really. I'm just so thrilled to be talking about poetry um, to the community. I think everyone can benefit from poetry and um, come by and see what you can find that speaks to you. Yes. Every single one of these books that we talked about is available at White River Books. And we're so very happy to have a local bookstore. I'm thrilled to have brought it to town and I hope we're here for a lot of years. Thanks so much for coming in, Izzy. Thank you. For those of you that are just now joining us, we just finished an interview with local bookshop owner Izzy Stringham. At this point, I'll pull out some of the books she mentioned and read you a couple of her recommended passages from these titles. The first one is A Thousand Mornings from Mary Oliver's A Thousand Mornings. All night my heart makes its way, however it can, over the rough ground of uncertainties but only until night meets and then is overwhelmed by morning, the night, the light deepening, the wind easing and just waiting as I too wait, and when have I ever been disappointed for Redbird to sing? 
Next one we're going to look at is, I have decided. I have decided to find myself a home in the mountains, somewhere high up where one learns to live peacefully in the cold and the silence. It's said that in such a place certain revelations may be discovered, that what the spirit reaches for may be eventually felt, if not exactly understood. Slowly, no doubt. I'm not talking about a vacation. Of course, at the same time, I mean to stay exactly where I am. Are you following me? And then one more from Mary Oliver while we have time. Every day the sea, blue, gray, green, lavender, pulls away, leaving the harbor's dark, cobbled undercoat, slick and rutted and worm-riddled. The gulls walk there among old whale bones. The white spines of fish blink from the st strandy stew as the hours tick over, and then, far out the faint, Sheer line turns rustling over the slack, the outer bars over the green-furred flats, over the clam beds, slippery logs, barnacle-studded stones dragging, the shining sheets forward deepening, pushing, wreathing together, wave and seaweed, their piled curvatures, spilling over themselves, lapping, blue, gray, green, lavender, never. Resting not ever, but fashioning shore, continent, everything. And here you may find me, on almost any morning, walking along the shore so light-footed, so casual. <laughs>